celebrating a uh, big number in quite subdued fashion, welcome to Hamburg Park. normally under these circumstances but uh, this week Dan's a little bit under the weather so mm. we're not going to be doing that so I'm joined by Dan hello and Andres hello and welcome uh, Dan has caught something or other off Noel yes we're Dan have kids we're hoping it's not COVID nah but, uh, if someone's the doors open, if someone's it? drinking tea here that means that something yes indeed yeah, Dan, Dan is also not partaking in Fernet this evening um, at no, least, it's at just now. not a strange for an Englishman anyway but for in this podcast, yes. Uh, if you can hear some coughing in the background, otherwise, no well, it would also be a bit cruel of us to tell him to shut up, so we're not going to, he's allowed to cough. And you'll have to put up with it. Mm. Um, we'll get straight straight on with it. In round two, the following score lines happened. Not sure where the music's coming from, but anyway. Uh, Tigre 2, Rosario Central 2, Newell's Old Boys 1, Vélez Sarsfield 0, Sarmiento 3, Barracas Central 5. Um, I caught about the last 35 minutes of that. I, I, I remember, sorry, something trouble, but I remember I, myself, and of course you too, uh, told the, the listeners not to it, watch yeah. that match. I thought that one when I um, saw what the scoreline was and I switched the television on. Just as Sarmiento were on the point of, they just scored a third goal and were about to have it disallowed when I switched the telly on. Then they got a third goal later on and then Barracas Central scored their fifth, I think. I think that was the, the order it all happened in. Um, so it was a legitimately good, legitimately good game or a little bit? Well, I'm just the last 35 minutes. The last 35 minutes was nice and open. Sarmiento were throwing stuff forward. Barracas Central got their fifth goal uh, with nine minutes to go. So, yeah. Uh, Luciano Gondol, who I've never heard of before, scored a hat-trick for Sarmiento. Former River, is, I think he never played in the first team, but he came out from the, uh, I mean, the, 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 the junior divisions. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, Barracas were 2-0 up after six minutes. Gondol made it 2-1 before half-time. Bruno Sepulveda put Barracas 3-1 up with a second penalty. His second goal, but not the second penalty he scored, he scored the first from open play. Ivan Tapia scored the first of those two penalties. Uh, Luciano Gondo made it 2-3. Francisco Alvarez restored the two-goal cushion for Barracas. There was a goal disallowed for Gondo, so he had scored a hat-trick and also had one disallowed, uh, which was just about when I switched on. And that was with 20 minutes to go, it says there, so I didn't watch quite as much of it as I thought I did. Uh, and then he scored one from the spot just a couple of minutes after that. Uh, and then with nine minutes to go, Bruno Sepulveda uh, so completed his hat trick as yes. well. So two hat tricks in one match. Yes. Oh. Who who took who took the ball from in that case? Or oh, there were two balls? Yeah, good question. Yeah, yeah. I suppose they must have. Um, well, played. once Juan Alvarez scored six and he took two balls, so yeah. perhaps they both. 
Yeah, I always wonder about the match ball thing, like which of the many match balls are there, because we only have one one ball per match these days anyway. But um, yeah, whether they try and present one to the goal scorer and just try to convince them, no, no, it's just one ball. We've just been using it the whole time. Um, but yeah, so we apologise if you followed our advice and didn't watch that match specifically because we told you not to. Um, although it would have been a slightly weird decision to tune in for it a priori anyway. Um, Arsenal 1, Estudiantes 1, Belgrano 2, River 1, Lanús 2, and also two red cards, San Lorenzo 1, and no red cards, Argentinos and Racing drew 1-1 for red cards, but Argentinos oh. won the match 1-0. Got excited there, I thought I was watching a different game. Yeah, sorry. Independiente oh. 1, and a red card, Platense 2, Boca 0, Central Córdoba 0, Union 0, Instituto de Córdoba 2, Godoy Cruz 1, Colón 0, Atlético Tucumán 0, Tacheres 2, Gimnasia 0, Defensa Justicia 2, and Huracán 3, Banfield 2. So, the last week, if I am not wrong, all of the five uh, grandes won. Except for Racing. Except for Racing, yeah. and now the only one who didn't lose was Boca. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yes, I can't remember what Independiente did. They won one nil the other other time, the the last round, and now they lost. Lost two on Platense, yeah. Uh, Lots of red cards as well. I hadn't really clocked how many red cards there were in the first round of matches, but there were six. um, And there were one, two, three, four, five, six. Six again uh, this last weekend. One for San Riento, two for Lanús, one for Argentinos, one for Racing, and one for Independiente. Argentinos have managed to have, as, as Dan said, Argentinos' red card against Racing um, was right at the very end. It was at the start of stoppage time for Santiago Montiel for a second bookable offence. But they have managed to have a red card in each of their first two matches. Um, so that's some sort of record to start the season with. Mm-hmm. Possibly not a desired one. But uh, Dan, shall we get your talking out of the way first so that you can... Start to relax your voice a bit. After. Yeah, luckily there's what really did you not make about Racing? really not much to say about the game. Um, Racing were very much conditioned by the first red card, which came just about half an hour in. A very clumsy studs-up challenge from Juan Cáceres, which he was only booked for at first, right? He Var. got booked and then Var came in. Yeah, I think that's, to start with, I thought it was a bit harsh, but then every replay just made it look a bit worse. Hmm. Um, even saying. Uh, would have been nice to at least get a point, but Argentinos went for it, played very intelligently with their numerical advantage, but Racing really didn't do much. Uh, need, they need to get a striker in. Uh, it's held them back in the last two games. It's now um, two scoreless games to start the season. So a long way to go, but it's not great. Uh, Maxi Romero is missing a hell of a lot of chances, which is annoying. Um, and we'll see what Paulo Guerrero can do. Apparently, he um, he's fit and in line to play on Sunday against Steven. Ah, uh, yes, I forgot they've signed him. Uh, by the looks of it, they're going to need a big season for him because it just isn't that much in the in the final third with the much maligned uh, Enzo Corbetti mm. now in the United States. Indeed, I will understand those players who uh, clearly. Uh, uh, kick the, the, the other player, the, the, the rival, and say, I want to the ball. Mm. Uh, and you see the images and it's clearly not. Yeah, it's got to be quite deeply ingrained in your psyche to, to do that, really, hasn't it? I, I would guess. Um, I think he was more silly than than uh, 
malicious because he was really affected by that. He was crying on the sidelines. <laughs> Poor guy, but a bit of an idiot. Rush of blood to the head. Seems so. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned the relegation battle. Very new <laughs> listeners will be wondering why are they talking about relegation after two matches. Um, it's because the relegation table is done on a three-year basis, although we are starting, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, to wean ourselves off it in the top flight this year, because uh, only two of the relegation spots will be decided on that three-year basis, with one of them being decided on an annual basis this year. Uh, But we said in our season preview a couple of weeks ago that Lanus needed a really big season. That Lanus needed a really big season, and they are one of three teams who have started the season with two consecutive wins. Um, that brings them in the running. Is this the current relegation table? Yes, it is. Um, up to the lofty heights of 22nd place out Whoa. of 28 teams. Um, and is really what they needed because both of the promoted teams have looked quite handy, hmm. uh, who are dividing their, their matches by their. Sorry, no matches by fewer points. No, their points by fewer matches. But Bradley and Stieto, in fact, have both managed uh, four points in their first two games and therefore sit currently top of the relegation table. Um, and Lanus have looked, I would say, from what I've seen of them, which hasn't been either of their full matches, but it has been in sort of chunks of both of them, um, functional, I, I think would be how I put it. They, they've not looked like they're trying to play liquid football or anything, but they do look like a team with a plan, which is something that they didn't look like really at any point last year. Um, Frank Gudelka uh, has clearly done something with the like of the side. Um, and this is in spite of losing their goalkeeper, he was, he was one of their red cards against San Lorenzo, which I didn't notice, that didn't happen while I was watching, so I hadn't noticed that the keeper was one of them. Um, but yeah, they've, they've, they've got off to a good start. Well, Gudelka have... Uh if someone who Dan mentioned last last episode, uh, Pedro de la Vega, a massive win mm-hmm. for them. And Leandro Diaz, who uh, I also mentioned last week, uh, who I think will make Pepe San not to play that, mar- that much, mm-hmm. uh, came in, coming back from uh, Estudiantes, I think. And yes, uh, it looks like it will be at least a much serious team, I will, I will say. Uh, as though that even though the, the I, I watched the the send uh, the red card that I think Boschio was the one I don't want I don't know yeah, who don't know him that well but I I watched him throw the ball away and that was the reason why he was sent off and being sent off because you threw the ball away is quite nonsense I yeah. think yeah yeah um, this was after so Morales got sent off with about 10 minutes yes. to go plus stoppage time also silly, uh, silly action yes, uh, Landy yeah. then scored and Boggio kind of grabbed the ball after that didn't he if I remember right um, yeah but I mean I, I know what you mean about um, about Diaz as well he, he got the opening goal from the penalty spot and then set up the second as well so he's he's started really nicely um, the other two teams Actually, Huracan had a decent campaign last year. I was going to say the other two teams we wouldn't have predicted would open the, with, with back-to-back wins, but Huracan, yeah, maybe. They, they were quite good last year. Um, they're currently top of the table on goal difference after two matches, if you care about that. Uh, but Godoy Cruz, I mean, they weren't very good last year. And they're another team who are... They're not in as big a trouble as Lanus in the relegation battle, but they're down there. They're only just out of the fray at the moment. Um, and they've put together back to back. And Godfrey has Diego Flores back. Don't know why. 
he was a goalie coach. Then he left, and uh, there were two coaches uh, in the bench. Mm. Uh, we, we, that was which, which was something funny because uh, uh, there was a referee who, uh, for example, called their attention because they, they they couldn't be both of them standing in the in the box they have. Uh, so yeah. one had to be sitting oh, yeah, in there, yeah, yeah. and now the Flores is back again. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> but I mean, when Godoy Cruz changed managers, it's normally because the board have done something to piss off the previous manager and he's quit yes. out of frustration or something, isn't it? Um, you know, like if he's if he's done done a decent job in the previous season, then they'll suddenly say, "Oh, we haven't got any transfer money for you, by the way." Well, they've been paying them more. Pay all of these players out of your own pocket. Um, and if they've been rubbish, then they just start making obstacles for them. They just seem to have this habit of falling out with managers constantly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he is back for whatever reason. Uh, he's fooled himself that it could still work if he goes back to them. Um, and so far, at least, after two matches, it is doing. Uh, they have beaten, just to remind ourselves, Colón, 1-0 at home. And in the first round, they got a win over Barracas Central. So, you know, let's not get too excited about their title hopes just yet. Uh, they'll probably have... Have bigger tests than that, but it's a promising start for them. Uh, the other teams down in the relegations are, are Sarmiento, who we've just talked about. They've lost 5 3 to Barracas. Arsenal de Sarandi, right at the bottom of the table, um, who have uh, not got off to a good start. No, they've drawn one and lost one so far. Um, I'm trying to remind myself of it. Last weekend, they drew with Estudiantes, yeah. who also look quite sort of uh, at the moment. Don't, don't know whether Sarmiento and Arsenal will be uh, will have difficulties to to keep in first division. Arsenal, I I I said the other day, the other time that uh, they are always there and they save how, yeah. somehow they save their relegation. Uh, but Belgrano, for example, well, Racing suffered it, uh, uh, not. Being able to win, to, to defeat them, and River, of course, was losing. So I think it, they will be tough. Uh, Very tough team. Yeah. yeah. Um, of the bottom one, two, three, four, five, six in the relegation table, of which obviously, as I said, the bottom two go down, um, Platense so far are the only one of those six to have picked up more than one point from their first two matches. Uh, Platense have got a win and a draw. Everybody else has got, well, Atletico Tucumán have lost both of their matches, and everybody else, Banfield, Central Cordoba. Suddenly, and Arsenal have all got one point from two games. Um, so, that's something. Um, big five time then. We've already said that uh, they, none of them did particularly well this weekend. Uh, River, Andres. Belgrano is a bit of a grudge match for reasons that... Yeah. I, I think we're almost getting to the point now where some new listeners to the podcast might need explaining why Belgrano is important. I think after 12 years, we will, you wouldn't say, oh yes, it's a, cl- a classico or, or a, a, a team that will uh, we want to defeat because some, of course, uh, and now when they defeat us, mm. it has a it's special meaning, but uh, uh, in this time, I th- this time, well, and the coach is someone who, when made us relegate, uh, to second division to first Primera B was in the, in the, as a player there, mm. Guillermo Farré. Yeah. Um, um, 
So yeah, the, the reason for those who aren't aware is that Bembrano are the team who played River in the promotion relegation playoff in 2011 and, and beat them and sent River down to the second division. Uh, another nice little piece of history that one of the co-commentators pointed out during this match was that Pablo Bechetti was, yes. as a gimnasia player, was the first player to score against Marcelo Gachardo's River Plate, mm. and now as a Belgrano player has become the first player to score against um, Martin, Martin Demichelis's River Plate. Yes, um, that's very nice. So yes, they put this to him in the post-match interview afterwards and he grinned and said, well, you know, I was, I was clearly lucky for Gachardo, so I hope it goes well for Martin Demichelis as well. <laughs> and uh, it was good twice. because afterwards he said, well, I brought some luck to Gachardo, and I, I hope so for, for the Michelis. Yeah. So he, thank he you. Got both of Belgrano's goals, yes. uh, and Nacho Fernandez, inevitably, it now feels <laughs> inevitable anyway, got the other one, uh, got River's consolation, well, what turned out to be consolation yes. but at the time. But the if things continue like like it was like with Gachardo, yes, I, 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 say, I will say that it was great to lose against Belgrano and that Pegetti scored against us. Hmm. Uh, what did you make of the performance, though, Andres? Well, just before the match started, or well, one day after, uh, before the match, match started, Martin Michelis had to make the first important decision with the team because uh, Mamana, who was the uh, uh, someone who would play uh, unless he, he became injured, and he became injured, mm. that made him make the decision whether to uh, start with uh, Gonzalez Pires, who hasn't been very reliable in the uh, last time, or Enzo Diaz, who is a, a, a new signing and is better known for being a great left-back, mm. though he is left-footed left and he could play as a, as a second centre-back. In fact, the Michelis said as a research, uh, proving that he had a good research work, uh, that Enzo Diaz had played four matches in April. 2022 as a center, second center back. Well, but he played more as a left, left back. And what he said was to Enzo, for Enzo Diaz to debut, make his debut as a second center back. And as a result, he was the responsible for the first goal that River conceded. Yes, uh, it wasn't. Um, he tried to to dribble in the in the box, stumbled, and well, after that, River lost the ball, and came the cross from. Um, Rojas for Behetti and Behetti is called, I think, had with some responsibility from Armani in both goals. Yeah. The first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, and both goals were set up by Rojas yeah. as well for Behetti. Yes. Uh, so, well, that will be something for, for from now on because whether he decides with one player or the other one, and, and in this case it was, of course, with the newspaper of, the, of Monday. With the result, uh, it was a wrong decision, mm. and I will say it was wrong because even when Gonzalez Pires wasn't reliable, he was more natural for him to play there than Enzo Diaz. As I said, his best position or the the, the position in which he he is better known is for being left back, left back, yeah. not as a concentrator. But he's not so tall. Apart from that. So, uh, yes, as an emergency, you could play with him as a centre-back, uh, even though, uh, sorry, providing, uh, apart from that, that David Martinez is injured or, or at least still recovering, mm. that González Pires has these problems of not be playing very well, and a man injured, that, that was, like, tough for him. 
Yeah. For the Michelis, I mean. Uh, so well, uh, uh, the match started that, like that with Enzo Diaz making a, a, a big mistake, and uh, River could never could never find the the the, the ne- they never played comfortable. Uh, though after the goal they tried and they were had the ball more than that. Belgrano Belgrano plays like that the, uh, as a way of playing, like giving the ball to the to the rival and then trying to to hurt. Uh, with the counter attack or with the Hetty holding the ball, which is something that he does very well, yeah. uh, apart from scoring, of course. Mm. Um, they, yeah. Then Nacho Fernandez scored in the when there was ten minutes to go mm. with a very very nice play, but was the only time that River could uh, like like remember how to do to to uh, to well create chances and, and Nacho Fernandez as. I think he said because yesterday they were their, their signings were uh, officially presented, and he said I came with more goals uh, than when I left. Yeah, yeah, he's got two and two. Yes. Now, he? Uh, um, over on the other side of the city of Buenos Aires, obviously, Belgrano uh, versus River was not played in the city of Buenos Aires, but you know what I mean. Uh, in the Bombonera, Boca versus Central Cordoba, nothing happened. I had even forgotten until I looked at the sofa score details just now that Facundo Castelli had a penalty save for Central Cordoba, so it could have been worse for Boca. Um, and the great Sergio Romero, no matter. Yes. Indeed, no yes. Um, but apart from that, I mean, what a non match. Mm. Bo- both teams had. I mean, I was going to say plenty, but both teams had a, a reasonable number of shots, but nearly all of them were off target. Um, and yeah, just it, it just all felt very flat to me watching. Classic Boca these these last two years under Russo and uh, Pataria now under uh, Ibarra they just can't put the team together or or don't want to. Mm. It's all very very functional, very slow. No real spark about it. Uh, Langoni who basically won in the league. I think if we if you remember we did something on just how much his goals were worth because he almost always got the winner or the equaliser or, and he's barely played I think. Yeah he was an unused, he was on the subs bench anyway, yeah. he was an unused sub. As he um, was for the first game or he came on very late. Yeah. Sebastian is yeah. someone who also a kid who uh, of course came back uh, uh, from an injury and perhaps that means mm. not coming back the, the same way that it were before, but yeah, uh, it is really. It's the the thing for Boca is to find a play in which someone scores, and they, and that is their plan. Mm. Yeah, individual moments, um, and they couldn't get that against Central Cordoba. Central Cordoba set themselves up well. They knew that they were going to be giving up the most of the. Excuse me, giving up most of the possession. Um, and they just had to kind of try and box clever, as it were. And as I said, they very nearly got a reward for it with that penalty, um, which which was saved. But yeah, it, it's it doesn't. You know, we should give them credit for it. Any result that a small team gets in the Bombonera in the Monumental um, deserves some credit. But also, it doesn't really bear talking about for very much longer because it was basically you know two backs of four, <laughs> deep block. Well, you can give them credit though for playing Boca and River in consecutive matches to yes. start the season. Yeah, yeah. That's that's quite a daunting way to, to begin. Indeed, they've got Racing next to them. 
No. Um, they have got Belgrano next mm. in not a Cordoba Clásico, of course. What I wouldn't give them credit for is that when they missed that penalty, they had Pulga Rodriguez on the bench. They didn't bring him on for another mm. quarter of an hour. Yeah. If Rodriguez at 38 is in your team, it's for that specific purpose. Indeed, yeah. Come off the bench, score the penalty. Yes. They, they could have, Madrid could have done like Dybala was in the World Cup yeah. to make him uh, take the penalty. Absolutely. Mm. Um, big five, who else have we got left? San Lorenzo and Independiente. Did either of you see either of their matches? Uh, a little bit of um, Independiente who went for it at least. Um, kind of they, they looked a bit more uh, dynamic than under Falcioni. But they left themselves very, very open uh, to a but there's a team who aren't fearsome, I don't think, in the in the final third, but No, and also I mean Platente went one 0 up mm. halfway through the first half and from what I from the highlights I saw. They they conceded the goal the goal yeah, very early, no? Uh, right? Uh, the, yeah, the first one? Twenty minutes. Oh. Uh, twenty minutes. So. But yeah, defending I think wasn't their best. Yeah. Uh, and, and now they, I, I heard that they won't allow Sergio Barreto to play in there anymore because they, he signed, didn't sign. Something that is happening too often. A player that uh, don't, doesn't want to sign the contract because they, they feel that they, they, will, they can uh, uh, arrange a contract with other team, of mm-hmm. course going for, uh, for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the team, of course, uh, has two ways. or, or uh, to make him play anyway until the contract ends, or to say, okay, if you don't want to sign the contract, you won't play anymore, and we will be six months yeah. training alone. And well, with Barreto, who was a key member for, of, the, of the of the back at Independiente, in fact, he was like linked with Boca, and Boca wanted him. Mm. Well, apparently, he won't play anymore, and will be a big loss for them. Kind yeah. of strange, really. I mean, yeah. it's within his rights not to sign another contract. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's made the most of um, the last six months. It's almost the, the club trying to hold the player to ransom, yeah. isn't it? It's a bit of a. Something a similar is, is happening with Merosha. Lucas Merosha, uh, one of the best centre backs of last year. Mm. And it's strange because he he doesn't. Nothing says, well, he will leave in a Huracan or he will play because he's uh, still in contract with Huracan. And he doesn't go to watch his teammates in Panfield, he didn't want to, and no one knows why. It's like quite strange uh, yes. situation. Uh, and San Lorenzo lost 2-1 away to Lanús. Lanús, as I said, had those two players uh, sent off. We've discussed Lanús here, but we didn't really talk about San Lorenzo. Nicolas Blandi scored for them in stoppage time. Um, mm. So it was overall less of a decent showing for them than the 1-0 win over Arsenal in the opening Yes, it would seem so. Um, jury is still out on them, I would say, about how they're going to do this season. Obviously, the jury is really still out on everybody until they've played more than two games, but in particular... Especially San Lorenzo, because they've been hurt before. Yeah. Um, decent starts and then runs a 10 without a win. Precisely. And just ended up right in the shit. Um, an update from last week, Matteo Retegi, who you might remember we had a bit of a talk about, scored again. Yeah. Um, obviously, in Tigre's uh, 2-2 draw against Central, he scored an equaliser 17 minutes in. They'd already got 1-0 down by that point. Um, 
Facundo Colini got a second for them shortly after half time, and Facundo Mascio equalised with uh, it wasn't the last kick of the game, but it might very well have been at the time. It was seven minutes into stoppage time. Um, last night, uh, at the, uh, during the match that Tigre lost to Centro Español for Copa Argentina mm. on penalties, and Retegui missed his, his penalty, the, the commentator or one of the uh, guys who uh, uh, bring information said, said that uh, Retegui scored 27 goals in 45 matches or something like that. It's more than one, ridiculous. More than one goal per match. I saw a headline on Google News when I was scrolling down yesterday saying that apparently Arsenal and Man United and Bayern or something are all looking at him and interested. Oh, which, believe which kind of reinforces, no. I wanted to bring that up at some point because it does reinforce what I was saying last week about how maybe scoring lots of goals for Tigre is better than probably sitting on Boca's bench and inexplicably not being sent on the pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's having a great season. Whether or not he's actually being looked at by, by some of the biggest clubs in the world is another matter. Um, but the fact that his name is even being mentioned all of a sudden in rumours like that shows you how many eyes he's, he's how many eyes he's catching. That doesn't that sort of uh, works, doesn't it? I'm going to stick with that. How many heads he's turning? Yeah, why not? Let's do that. Um, Slightly less violent catching yes. eyes with a net. Um, Indeed, yeah. Urakan versus Banfield looks like it was good fun. Admittedly, it was three-one at half time, and Banfield rescued one with fifteen minutes to go to make it three-two to Urakan and sort of tried to set up a grandstand finish so it wasn't as if it was back and forth back and forth league changing hands and all that um, but you know 3-2 and, and Urakan considering two goals in both matches and winning anyway so that mm. is uh, of course it's open apparently open team with very very good attack and also not so decent defending of course yeah. if, they, if they win for three all of the matches it's okay for them but and as if to underline the fact that not so decent defending, they even managed to concede a goal to Chupanqui uh, of the Primera C in their Copa Argentina match. They did score four, four. again, so uh, three matches so far this season in all competitions. Defensive Justicia and Banfield in the league and Chupanqui in the Copa Argentina. And so far they have scored uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven goals and conceded five. So, if you want to see goals and probably see Orakan win, then watch Orakan matches. Can we say they're, they're going back to their Angel Kappa roots? Or is that far too dated for a 2023 podcast? Well, could we? I wonder. I mean, I wouldn't say the football's been quite as good yet. But, you know, maybe they'll grow into it. We'll see. And, and as I said earlier, they had a good, good campaign last year as well. Um, they finished to remind myself last year's table uh, fourth last oh, season really? level on points with River three behind Racing five behind Boca um, so they are continuing that now and you know we, we talked at some length in, in our season preview about how Boca, Racing and River were the three teams who were obviously the three clear favourites um, and in hindsight now after two matches I wouldn't say let's start predicting great things for Rakan, but certainly Maybe obviously we mentioned them, but maybe we could have given them a little bit more of a mention as well. Yeah, I was kind of on the fence because they did lose quite a few key players. I mean, just look at what happened there. Let's go to Man Suffer. You know, yeah. they were right there up there in the title challenge, and now bottom of the league with two defeats and two. Obviously, after two games, that is their season done and dusted. They're not coming back. Um, but yeah, credit to what they've kept it together. You know found replacements for those 
for those who are left and for who might be leaving like Mirosha. Um, we'll see how, how long it lasts. Yeah, indeed. Um, and since we mentioned Belgrano already, and I've mentioned the fact that both the, the promoted clubs have got four points so far from two games, we should also give a quick mention to Instituto, who I've just learned by looking at their starting 11 at the weekend, have a Franco Watson up front, mm. which is a proper 1910s Argentine football game. Yeah. I very much like that. Um, he didn't score, unfortunately. Gabriel Graciani and Adrian Martinez scored the goals. Uh, in their 2-0 win away to Union, so a bit of a classico of the red and white stripes in that one. Um, well done, Instituto, if you have any fans listening. Uh, I think we're going to take a half-time break now, and when we come back we will discuss some national team news, or, well, there's not really any news as such for the national team, but we'll, we'll discuss some developments around the national team, and one or two other things. Don't go away. We can say with some confidence that this is the first Uragan team in 14 years to begin a campaign with two um, consecutive wins. The last one to do that was indeed Kappa's Uragan team of the 2009 Clausura. And for, oh, you know, fans of coincidence, which of course you all are if you watch Argentine football, it's based on conspiracy. You know, Argentine football was built on conspiracies and coincidences. Indeed. Um, their last game of the season is against Vélez. Dun, dun, dun. If you know what Dan means by that, then write in for the chance to win a prize. <laughs> I would just say a repeat, a repeat of possibly one of the most controversial Argentine league games of all time. Yeah, I would go so far as to say that given that we started recording the podcast under a year and a half after that... Well, it very uh, much uh, present, yeah. I, I, think, I think that's the match that... Obviously, I was, I was in England at the time, but I was watching it on a stream as it didn't happen and then did. Um, I think it's the match that I most wish we could have already been recording a podcast mm. about when it happened. Um, that that and the Argentina-Peru, Argentina-Uruguay games, the yeah. last World Cup qualifiers of that year. Yeah, yeah. That would have been very fun. Um, Moving on, I promised you some national team news. The first thing that Andres has just reminded me and that I will forget to say um, if I don't say it right now, so I'll, I'll jump it forward in the running order, um, is that it's not really a particularly big story, but it is like some confirmation of something that we've discussed a few times on the podcast before, uh, is that the joint bid between Argentina and Uruguay and Paraguay and Chile, for some reason, um, to host the 2030 World Cup has now officially been launched. Including a poster, possibly apocryphal, uh, that did the rounds of social media with the um, Paul Manteau Chupad. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to leave Andres to say that. Given ah, I sorry. It, but, um, you've stolen it from him, Dan. Very sorry. Uh, I'm guessing it was a mock-up, right? Because not even... Yeah, no. 
Rose no, Federation. It's, it's, called, yes, it's called Commission or something, isn't it? That they've, they've given it some really daft. Mm. Yes, it's like a committee that they will uh, build in order to uh, make the budget and try to, well, of course, make it more something to work until the, 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 can the candidates are officially mentioned and, well, they decided who will be the one. Yeah. The anyway, it's, it's hard. It's hard because, of course, Europe has more votes if the European mm. uh, members have to vote. Of course, won't vote for Chile, Paraguay, Uruguay, Argentina. No, exactly. And they're, they're kind of relying on FIFA sticking to this continental rotation idea to an extent. And the centenario, it will be 100 years from the Uruguay World exactly, Cup. Exactly, yeah. 100 years on from the first one. And obviously, it, it would be ridiculous to suggest that a tiny country with a population of only 3 million people could host a modern World Cup. Mm. Um, that is simply unimaginable and couldn't possibly be done. So the only practical way to do it is for, originally, uh, when this idea was first mooted back in about 2006 or something, um, was for Argentina and Uruguay to join host, with the final being held in Montevideo. And then a few years ago, Paraguay said, oh, can we join in as well? And for some reason they said, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, and then, I think it was after the pandemic kicked off, right? It's been in the last couple of years, mm. I feel like, Chile just unilaterally decided to announce that they'd also yeah. agreed to join this thing and well, maybe had basically yeah, strong yeah. everybody else. So there, there will be two matches in each country. Yeah. It is, apart from that, they, they said, yeah, and we, for Uruguay and the Centenario, study Centenario, hmm. we built the Centenario in nine months, which is a, a, a record, I mean, yeah. a, a landmark. Yes, and they... And, 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 and they years ago. <laughs> and they still, it still remains like that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's beautiful, yes. and if you're visiting Buenos Aires ever as a tourist and you get a couple of free days and you don't know what to do, get over to Montevideo. If you're listening to this podcast, obviously, then you're a football fan. Um, there is no better place, if you're a World Cup history nerd, in the world than Montevideo. Um, and I, I feel privileged to say that I've seen a match at the Centenario. It is amazing, but as you say, it's very clearly barely been touched. <laughs> Uh, in the hundred, well, not hundred years yet. In the ninety-eight years since it was built, um, though they host I, I, the Copa America in nineteen ninety-five, mm. which they won, and that would have been a good excuse for them to modernize it, to, to restyling it. Yeah, um, I'm in two minds about this because, on the one hand, the the romantic in me and the football history nerd in me really wants the twenty thirty final to be held in the centenario again. And on the other hand, just looking at the last few World Cups, particularly the most recent one, obviously, uh, the amount of leaving aside all of the rumours about the unsubstantiated rumours our lawyers would like, like us to, to point out about bribes and the amount of money that it takes to win the bid in the first place. Oh, sorry, that was my fault, my fault. Um, it, it's also just a tremendously expensive thing to host in terms of the infrastructure that countries are expected to, to put together in terms of the stadium upgrades that would be required and stuff and none of the four countries involved in this bid have got that money so the only way that I can see it happening is if FIFA decide to say yeah you know what we're not going to make you spend loads of money that you don't have to upgrade a load of stadiums that yeah sure like North American and European and, and some Asian uh, fans who are visiting are going to look around and go well, what's this place but it's not as if the stadiums are actually incapable of holding matches they do so on a regular basis um, 
you know, the, the plus side is if there's one region of the world that, that could host and where at least any new stadiums that get built wouldn't necessarily be white elephants, it's here in the and southern coast of South America. The last world, but the last world Cup proved that it, the money is way more important than tradition. Mm. Exactly. Um, and yeah, just if, if, if they were to say, yeah, sure, you can host, we'll allow two stadiums to host in Buenos Aires, we'll have the Centenario and, and I don't know, Nacional or Peñarol Stadium in Montevideo, you can have two in Asuncion, two in Santiago, and then a few in these other cities as well. And as long as you get them, kind of give the seats a lick of paint, get the security standards up to scratch, that's all you need to do. They're fine. But if they're going to ask for all of the roads to be repaved and fully lighted and all the rest of it, it's not that that wouldn't be lovely, obviously. Yes. Know, having motorways that actually look like motorways throughout Argentina would, would be wonderful in, in some ways, but there isn't the money there to do it. Yeah, so. the thing is that, like you said, there, there, every, every country which are apparently will stand for the organization of the World Cup 2013, 2030, have stadiums in order to hold mm. World Cup matches, but not a lot of... They have one or two, every... Argentina, Argentina has perhaps more than two. Vélez, River and Boca are for sure yeah. stadiums. But then Paraguay has perhaps two, Chile one or two, Uh, Uruguay, well, Centenario and this is it, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if it's purely down to capacity, then you could have the World Cup in Greater Buenos Aires, but unfortunately, <laughs> that's not the only criteria that FIFA have. Um, For sure, which is sure, is that if Argentina organizes World Cup, alcohol will be free in order for the supporters to, to, to drink. <laughs> yes, that, that won't be an issue, you're not going to turn up on the morning of the first match to find that you can't drink terrible beer uh, vastly oh in fact it might not even be that vastly overinflated might it if it's uh, all in being priced in Argentine pesos at least we'll have to wait and see um, sticking with international football but moving even closer to home Lionel Scaloni still hasn't renewed his Argentina contract Ooh. why does this man hate his country so much why doesn't he just sign It's a damn shame. Tell me, gents. When is his contract up? This, like now? Yes, it oh. expired after the World Cup final. Uh, you might remember that before the World Cup kicked off, there was a little bit of a fuss, and then Chiqui Tapia decided to defuse the situation mm. by tweeting or Instagramming a photograph of himself giving Scaloni a big hug and saying, I'm pleased to announce that we have agreed uh, a new contract and Scaloni will be signing it at some point very soon. And it turns out that that just annoyed Scaloni a little bit more, and he hasn't signed it at all. Um, Andres, I think you're probably the, the person who's best placed to fill us in on what's going on here. Yes, well, uh, they will have first of all they will have to hurry because apparently in March Argentina will hold some some friendlies mm -hmm. here in Argentina in March, so it, they have one month to go to announce whether he will be or not the coach uh, because. If not, I don't know who will be in the bunch. Aymar, perhaps. Uh, the he has. Yeah, or even whether you know. I don't know whether the um, assistants have got. Or those. yes, I know whether. I don't know perhaps all of this uh, uh, stuff uh, has no contract. But anyway, uh, yes. Uh, one thing is what you said about the the uh, Tapia announcing he will sign the contract and. Scaloni felt that as pressure, something <clears throat> to press him in order to, f to sign the contract. And then when they were in September in North America with the tour 
of uh, with the Frontiers they, they were playing before the World Cup. Tapia celebrated his birthday there and made a lot of noise and that bothered and disturbed the, the players. And, yeah. uh, and the important thing is that still not clear about the, the, the terms of the contract in, which, in uh, terms of the money. Yeah. Uh, which of course you could say, and Scarlett could say, I, I read in, in La Nación saying that he has all the credit in order to say, well, look, in September I told you that I will sign the contract. But in, I wasn't the World Cup champion in the, at, at that yeah. point, so I want more money, and that is something they will have to discuss. And I said, as I said, it will be, it will have to be fast because they will, in one month time, they will be playing friendlies. Argentina will be playing friendlies. Yeah, yeah. I, I read the same article, and the other thing that that that, that they made the point of saying was that. Um, it, it, it's not necessarily the money's not a big issue, but clearly it's something that that, that he needs to. The director's thing. The director thing. He's gonna want more of the same, but his team's together, right? And yeah. who's, who's he got? Around and, he, and he wants a few fewer hangers on yeah. around the team generally, because apparently there was a huge delegation travelling both to the Copa America, which obviously they travelled every day over to Brazil for yeah. all their matches because they were the only team who, who uh, stayed at their home. Uh, their own training base and travel to Brazil for the matches in the Copa America. Um, but yeah, they had directors and stuff hanging around, going to training sessions, just turning up for like photo ops with the players and stuff. Um, in, in short, it was all being organised in a very Argentina sounding kind of way. Um, and yeah, as you say, the, 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 the thing about Tapia's birthday party, <laughs> waking all the players off did, did make me laugh um, and pissed him off a bit as well. But yeah, he wants to be able to install his own assistants and other levels of the national team and stuff as well, which I think is generally good. And I do think that some of it is delays that are caused by the fact that Scaloni lives in Spain um, and comes down here for the international breaks and you know occasionally to for meetings at the AFA and stuff rather than living here. I'm sure if if they were able to just meet up over a a big steak or something and hash it all out like proper Argentine men. Uh, they've managed to, to get something signed already, but yeah, it's. Um, so grill some meat, everyone down, a couple of bottles of wine. Uh, apart so, from that, so. like when Scaloni signed the contract, or perhaps or the other way around, Scaloni was uh, I, the coach of the national team because there was no other yeah. coach with the contract. In this case, there is no other one. No, no other one if if Scaloni finally doesn't sign the contract and will be silly. Apart from that, you yeah. have. The possibility to extend the, the project, which is strangely for Argentinian football, going well. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, and that was the other thing actually that I saw in in, in this same article. They said that Scaloni or people around Scaloni have uh, recognised that they do owe a certain amount to Tapia for that for, for the fact that Tapia had faith in him and gave him the job. But I thought, well, not really, because as you just said, he got the job by default. I mean. <laughs> It was as if Tapia went out and everybody in the country was going, oh, we want Gashaldo, or, you know, we want and this other like, guy. And Tapia was like, no, no, Scaloni's the man for the job. I know this. I've chosen him by hand. He just looked around and went, oh, oh, you're still employed with us. Oh, yeah, do you want, do you want this job? Sure, brilliant. Okay, and and Afa, Afa incredibly, for the, for, not incredibly, they won with the World Cup and they also want money. Hmm. And they earn money because of, partly yeah. because, thanks to Scaloni. By, by Argentine yes. standards, a lot of money. They won $42 million for, from FIFA for winning the World Cup. Plus 10 million from Gonmebol, plus from sponsorships. And yes. um, so they've got the cash to pay them. Yes. Um, 
they uh, yeah. finally finished paying off all of the other coaches? Oh, that's a good question. I think they must have done, right? Because yeah. it was Martino, Sambaoli, and Bal- Yeah, none of them would have been given contracts that ran much after 2018, would they? No. Sambaoli's might have run to possibly this World Cup or possibly the Copa America 20, what was supposed to be the Copa America 2020 or something like that. But yeah, so I think they probably have by now. But it's a question that might be worth looking up for future reference and slash hilarity. Um, in terms of those matches being played in March, we still don't know who they're going to be against. So I'd say Panama and Suriname. Yeah, Panama are, um, uh, have amazing. emerged as favourites for the first of them. And yeah, Suriname, I think, are, are the favourites for the second one, but neither of them have actually been confirmed yet. Uh, Please avoid Saudi Arabia, because they are strong now, and the team's mm. also strong. Yeah, um, indeed. And uh, it looks almost certain that they will both be at the Monumental. So, not only mm. has winning the World Cup caused the AFA to have lots of money, but it's also caused them to thaw relations with River Plate. Mm. Um, and also realise that if they can sell more tickets, then they'll get more money. To, uh, now you know why I said that about Saudi Arabia, right? Go on. No, because, of course, the World Club World Cup isn't... Oh, yes, of course, right, yeah. ...that important in terms of, oh, yeah, we won the... Well, if this Real Madrid is not so important, but if the Club World Cup is won by... Or Flamengo, which won't be able, or Alilal, that is something. I've, I, from what I've heard, and or from what I've been told in an online forum I post on, Real Madrid are one of the... Um, relatively few clubs in European football who actually would react like that if they won the Club World Cup apparently. Just like winning everything, yeah. Exactly, yeah. They're, they're not shy about it. Um, but yeah, certainly for most European fans, it's like, who cares about that? It's yeah. interesting because it's the a second chance for Ramon Diaz to become world champion. He must start lost the Intercontinental Cup in 96 yes, to did. Juventus. And now he's got Al... Oh, I want to say Ali Lau in the final. Yep. Against Madrid, yeah. uh, with Luciano Vieta playing a starring role. I have a feeling this one might be a bit more one side. I think in '96 was it one nil? One nil. Alessandro Del Piero. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll see whether Alhilal can hold Real Madrid to a one nil win penalty. They have. They are also the the scorer of the second goal against Argentina in the World Cup. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Something like that. Hmm. Scored two of the penalties or the two penalties that both were. Made to Vieto, uh, incredibly, I mean, not incredible for, uh, apparently he, he's a good player, but uh, almost forgotten. Yeah. And now it's again like, there, and, and, and Flamengo, and especially David Luis, I think, could, weren't able to, to, to uh, steal the ball from him. Mm. So, um, well for him. I was about to say something else, and I forgot what that was. Copa Argentina, since we're talking about upsets and underdogs. We could do, yeah. I was, I had a, there was something in my head about the Club World Cup that I was about to say as well. But Oh, that was it. Yeah, sorry. So Ramon Diaz, we've just been talking about, and just in passing, um, happened to be checking Twitter for our mentions just before we started recording and saw that Peter had tweeted something, uh, you know, while we're speaking about some of the most successful managers in River Plate's history, mm-hmm. that apparently Marcelo Gachardo has now been linked with the Leeds United job. Um. Obviously, as somebody who quite likes Marcelo Gachardo and very much doesn't like Leeds, I'm really hoping But uh, about the Club World Cup, Ramon Diaz could say Gachardo, cool. look, I, I know how to defeat Flamengo. Mm. Because, well, River lost to Flamengo in the last minute and 
And, yeah. and even though Flamengo scored in the last minute against Alilal, they weren't able to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Copa Argentina then, Dan. Since we last recorded, uh, January has no, January hasn't rolled into February. What am I talking about? We last recorded after the first of February, didn't we? So we'd had Defensa Justicia versus Itusango, three-two win for Defensa. And Huracan versus Shupanki, which we mentioned earlier, was a form of it for Huracan. But yesterday, Estudiantes got a 3-0 win over Independiente de Chivilcoy to get their own first win of the season in any competition, because as I said earlier, they started pretty meh in the league. Um, with goals from Mauro Mendes, Juan Cruz Guasone, and Mauro Bosselli. Uh, but, as Andres mentioned a couple of times earlier, Tigre versus Central Español was where all of the action was at. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1-0 to Tigre after just two minutes to Tomás Badaloni. But Central Español held firm. They got an equaliser ten minutes into the second half. They took it to a shootout from the penalty spot. And they won that shootout from the penalty spot. 4-3? Uh, 5-4? 4-3, wasn't it? They, they, five, they went to the one-on-one... To one Definition because yeah. Both, yeah, but both missed one both penalty. Missed one during the normal. Yes. It looked like they were going to win it in Earlier, the first five, yeah. and then the goalkeeper skied his penalty, which was their fifth one. Um, and the goalkeeper had something like Chance Lehmann thing with the bottle, with the message in the bottle. Yes, yeah, yeah, he clearly had written who was going to dive where, hadn't he? Because he was taking a quick sip from his bottle and then looking at it before every shot. I think it has to be the first Primera de team to be a. Uh, first division team, right? And from Argentina. Yes. There's been plenty of third tier teams, possibly fourth tier, but fifty. I think it must yeah, be. I can't remember any. Really. I mean, we've got a few too many additions now to just. If you'd asked this like five years ago, then we could have literally yeah. well, we recorded this. Gone well, we're just looking it all up. But unfortunately, there are probably just about too many now. To yeah, Claypole, I think that made things difficult yeah, for, to work out. But Claypole gave yeah. Boca a game, but didn't win. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I think Bash is still once against River in the Beniente, but... Uh, next up in the Copa Argentina, uh, next... Oh, next Wednesday. Uh, Boca and River both make their bows. In, oh, no, hang on. No. Sorry, I'm not going to... I've just noticed that Sofa Score's just got every match in the round now listed as the 15th of, of February, which is next Wednesday. So those matches aren't all going to be played on the 15th of February. So next up, don't know. Presumably there will be two matches next week, but... Don't ask me. I don't know. Um, we'll see. Maybe it will be Boca and River. I'd be quite surprised if they both played on the mm. same day. But anyway. Uh, shall we move on to Lister's questions? Yes. Yeah, Let's well. move on to Lister's questions. We had a far too long episode last week, so we're having a nice sedate one this week. Lee Bartlett says, What are the chances of Merosha staying at Huracan? Just the one who mentioned that it's not clear. Mm. Because... Uh, not clear what the player wants to, to do. If he wants to stay at Huracan and then res- perhaps receive better offers for Huracan and for him, or to live as a free agent, uh, and Huracan is pressing him to in order to sign the contract, and the agents of, of Marelsha apparently are, are doing the contrary, to yeah. press him in order to s- tell him not to sign the contract, and of course, receive an offer straight away from a team and to to, to sign the contract uh, with no Huracan in the middle, so mm. it's not clear still. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, basically, Luis Pesone says, first, how the hell are you, Locos de Mierda? Well, Dan's not feeling too clever. <laughs> better, but, but 
I think I'm burnt taxi. <laughs> Generally speaking, we're okay. Thank you, Luis. Second, por favor, explain to the world the structural concern slash situation with La Bombonera. And uh, is there a concern that other venues, like the decrepit structure in Arrochito, just a side note for people who aren't aware. Funny what, how we signal about that one. Um, could be hit with court orders for sections to remain vacant. Gracias. What is the situation with the Bombonera, gents? Well, they are still, they are like, as River is uh, making it bigger and, and remodeling the, the time monumental now at Boca they are again saying we will have to do something hmm. but still not clear whether which project they had already two projects uh, in mind but still not clear which one is better for them I almost feel in some ways like the people who put the bottom on air up what like 80 years ago or mm. however long ago it was could have picked their site a bit better Build it somewhere where yes. there's actually room to expand. But uh, supporters, most of the supporters don't don't want to move the stadium. Exactly. They want to stay there, to stick to the place they are. The thing is that for one of the places they, they, that they were running in order to to be uh, accepted, they had to buy uh, some properties there mm. in the in the streets, and the owners would not want to sell it yeah. unless I they. Say, I wasn't aware of court orders. That, that Luis hints at. Is that a new development or is Luis? Uh, there was one, yeah, potentially closing off part of the Bombonera against Centra Corva after in the first game, like, like a big cracks appeared and were kind of moving very here. Oh, because I noticed very that alarmingly. what we would think of as the away end, because we can remember when away fans were yeah. was was empty after the match. That might TV have been. Uh -huh. I think what Luis asked was about that, but. Yeah. Uh, Apart from that, there was. Uh, there has been something in the news yes. recently about these plans mm -hmm. again, yeah, that, that are um, about that. But no, in terms of the structure, uh, I mean, I'm shocked that an Argentine football stadium is falling into disrepair. Yes. I'm genuinely slightly shocked that it is the Bombonera because, as we mentioned last week, until Enzo Fernandez moved to Chelsea, Boca had more money than anybody else in Argentine football. Mm -hmm. Apart from the AFA, now they won the World Cup and have got these $52 million floating around. Um, but well, what yeah, Boca stated is, was that this is something that the government or the Daniel Angelici, Angelici uh, uh, people, because he has still mm -hmm. some importance there, uh, in the, especially I think in the Gobierno de la Ciudad de Buenos Aires. Yeah, the city government. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and they say that this is his... Oh, so he's out of work with his mates in the city government to close down a section of the stadium despite the new boys. Apparently so. They did it one day after, before the match. That is suspicious if you want. <laughs> Excellent. I, I do also, I wonder whether this has anything to do with the fact that the AFA suddenly decided to start playing games in the Monumental again with the national team. Like, oh, well, if the, if the Bombonera, if part of the Bombonera is closed, then that means we can only sell 35,000 tickets or something. So, yeah, actually, let's, let's go to the state. The, the thing is that they still have a, a, a huge or a big a filter in order to, for people to, uh, to, to get a, a ticket mm. to watch the matches because they, 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 they are more socios, more members, and the, the capacity of the stadium That's is the same. 300,000 socios they've got yes. at the moment, I read the other day. Uh, and the capacity of the stadium that is, 50, yeah, like when when, it, when the whole thing's open, it's about fifty three thousand or something like that. Um, Jamie Ralph says, any news on the stadiums included in the South American bid to host the twenty thirty World Cup? I saw a tweet today saying the world capital of football, Rosario, is not included, and games will be played in Buenos Aires, Mendoza, and Cordoba. This allows me 
to make a very Argentine joke, and that is that presumably Mendoza has been put in there as the Chilean venue. <laughs> Thank you, I'm here all week. Um, yeah, I mean, in a way it's a shame, but in another way, if you've been to Rosario and seen the stadiums there, maybe a bit less surprising. They're lovely stadiums, but they're not... The, the campus is in tournament good um, condition so in, in Cordoba. Obviously, yeah. as I said, Buenos Aires has a number of stadiums, not the Pompanera, presumably, after what we were just saying, but has a number of stadiums that are up to scratch and certainly big enough capacity-wise. Santiago del Estero has got a brand spanking new one. Mar Plata apparently is going to be re remade. Yeah. With the stadium that apparently will be... Oh yeah, they were saying, was, we talked about that a few weeks ago, yeah. didn't we? The, the national team's new home stadium in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. Um, but yeah, there, there are there are obviously lots of options. We haven't heard anything yet about which cities or which stadiums will host. Mm. Uh, but I think I would be quite surprised, if, from Argentina's point of view at least, if um, if yeah, if Mendoza and Cordoba weren't involved at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe if there are planned restructurings at one of the ones in Rosario, possibly, but... Yeah, that's a long shot, I think. Um, and, I mean, I was going to say, perhaps La Plata, but the Estadio Unico is not massive, and... It's not that mm. good, really. Either. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> nice and new, and it looks impressive, but it's yeah. not really a very good stadium. And not being used at this point, right? Not being used for football, anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's just being used for big events now, isn't it? For concerts and monster trucks and stuff. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, I'm going to guess in Uruguay, Montevideo, presumably. Really sticking here. Maybe, maybe Salto. Does Salto have a stadium of over 10,000 people? Might they want to play a World Cup game outside Montevideo? Or they can make a new one in Pondelestia. Uruguay has a great advantage uh, against the other other countries, which is that the distances are like in Europe, perhaps, or or less distance. Yeah. No, well, yeah, they're they're like in Europe. Uruguay is the size of France. I mean, it's a little bit smaller than France, I think, but not very much. Um, So, yeah, it's big, especially for country of three million people um, but yeah it has the disadvantage of having a tiny number of stadiums well no it's got a lot of stadiums but not very many that are 40,000 or big bigger in capacity stadiums of first division stadiums that perhaps have dirt more than more dirt than grass mm. which is yes not uh, in yes, Paraguay it's going to be Asuncion Luque presumably if they class that as a separate del Chaco, where, where is Asuncion that? in Luque yeah oh yeah. no yeah sorry that's, I can't remember which one it, which one's which but yeah it's, I think the Defensores del Chaco is in Luque um, which is basically greater Asuncion or that's my understanding of it having never been to Asuncion yeah. and in Santiago in Chile sorry in Santiago Valparaiso maybe yeah, right. yeah. I think there's one somewhere up in Arequipa that's um, that was used for the World Youth Cup in when did Chile host that? 20 I think Arequipa is uh, World Cup or something. But Akike, possibly. Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of somewhere in the um, Atacama Desert, somewhere in that kind of area. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, there's a stadium up there that hosted one of the underage World Cup matches at some point and might or might not be used, possibly. We'll see. But yeah, there are options. I would think that the bulk of the tournament would be held in Argentina. Uh, and again, presumably the final in Montevideo is the idea. The Argentinian president, not the not the Tapia, Alberto Fernandez, asked for Bolivia to be included. Well, <laughs> yes, not uh, if you are, if we are talking about the infrastructure, I think Bolivia is the less. Very different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it would be 
it would be hypocritical of us not to point out after the number of times that we've said I want you know South American teams to be involved in the Nations League and for European sides to have to go and play in La Paz that it would be hysterically funny if they actually were included in a World Cup um, hosting bid and then decided to go yeah our stadium is going to be the Orlando Siles 4,600 metres above sea level <laughs> good luck playing there if you've got a decisive group stage match <laughs> Um, that would be very, very funny indeed, but unfortunately not going to happen. And Bolivia as an organizer, will, they will easily get at least round of 16. Mm. Yeah, well, if they get to play all the group matches at home. Mm. Yes. The other alternative would be that you have Bolivia as part of it, and then you mix things up if you're FIFA at the last minute by saying, all of the host nations are going to have to, since you've basically all qualified for the World Cup, and no other South Americans are involved apart from Brazil, who've won a five-team playoff a five-team qualification tournament to get here um, we're going to make you all play your group stage matches in a different country from the one that you're from so somebody ends up having to play their group stage games in La Paz other than Bolivia that would be quite funny as well but yeah anyway uh, Tommy Ravioli or perfect Tommy as we know him says who's got the sickest flow brackets hair in the league past or present Past or present, good grief. I mean, I always just go back to Nestor Gorosito, manager version. Oh, but it was like Argentinos with that fantastic. perm and that mullet stretching down almost to the middle of his back. Uh, this year, Ignacio Macorra is keeping the mullet alive mm-hmm. among players for yeah. Central. Uh, in Suat, the San Lorenzo coach has beautiful flying looks. Yeah, that's true. And I, f- I feel it would be remiss, although it's not hair, not to mention uh, this guy, Kokaro for Huracan, who we have definitely mentioned at yes. some point last year, but has the most 1940s tango singer Uruguayan slash Uruguayan football moustache. Uh, it's just fantastic, thick pencil painted onto the upper lip. Uh, it's wonderful. Andres, nominations? It's hard, I can't remember anyone. <laughs> Remarkable with something that you, you, oh, look at that hair and... And unfortunately, Demichelis' hair is now quite sensible and yes. not as terrible as Absolutely. it was when he was yeah. a player. I, I, I remember, well, Gallardo is not a, a coach of River anymore, but to have some problems with his hair because he used to change his look so often that you you thought he had problems with the hair. If, <laughs> if his hair was going to fall or, or, or something because it was with lot, uh, quite, quite often, but well, of course it's uh, not that important in terms of, of the uh, the most important thing was the team how how the team played but now at the distance that now that he's not the coach anymore it's something mm. but then after uh, apart from that I can't remember anyone remarkable with his car I mean in swag with apart from the hair the rocker style with the leather jackets it's his look is Definitely heavy metal. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a really, really quick update on the Sudamericano Sub 20 since we talked about it last week and the week before when Argentina was still in it. Obviously, they're not anymore. But the final round, uh, the penultimate round of games in the final round is being played tonight. Uh, Colombia versus Brazil still has to be played. That's going to be kicking off in about half an hour's time. But as it currently stands, it's a fight between Uruguay and Brazil. Both of them have 100% records so far, so Uruguay are on 12 points and Brazil are on 9. If Colombia manage to beat Brazil, then they will also go to 9. Uh, but if Brazil beat Colombia, then 
then and Uruguay will be locked on 12 points each. Colombia have six points. Venezuela have two points that are in fourth place. Um, Ecuador and Paraguay have a point each. The last round of matches is being played on Sunday. Um, Otherwise, it's important for the cost is... Of course, as you will have worked out, because they've both won both of their matches so far, Brazil and Uruguay haven't yet played each other, which means they're playing each other on Sunday. So that, assuming, as I, and I think it's probably a fair assumption, um, but, you know, Colombia are the only other team who've actually managed to win a match so far in this mm. final group stage. But if Brazil beat Colombia in about half an hour's time, um, then that match will be to decide the title. Yes, but we should say the main objective is not winning it, it's getting into the yeah, um, 20 World Cup, uh, which Uruguay, Brazil and Colombia have all done. Yes, of course, that's confirmed. Yeah, and So Venezuela play Colombia um, on Sunday and will basically be playing to secure their place as well. As are Ecuador and Paraguay. Yes, indeed, yeah, but Venezuela are the ones who are sort of ahead in that, that race. Uh, so it could make for interesting stuff if Colombia managed to win against Brazil mm. and therefore have a chance to lift the title on goal difference, although they would have a hell of a lot of goal difference to make up on the Uruguay. But anyway, shall we do Mystic Sam? Yes. Okay, here we go. No second thoughts this week. Central Cordoba versus Belgrano is going to be a Belgrano win. Colón versus Sarmiento is a win for Sarmiento. Defensa y Justicia versus Newell's Old Boys is a draw. San Lorenzo versus Godoy Cruz. I never thought I'd find myself predicting this, but Godoy Cruz are going to win an away match, people. Cool. Platense versus Atlético Tucumán is going to be a Platense win. Tacheres versus Boca. Going to go for a draw. Belles versus Independiente is a Belles win. Banfield versus Gimnasia is a win for Banfield. I really don't know how either of those two teams are doing, even though we've <laughs> read out their results so far. Uh, Rosario Central versus Arsenal de Sarandí is a draw. River versus Argentinos Juniors, which uh, if you like to watch players get applause from their home fans after winning the World Cup, then make sure you tune in before kickoff for that one, because Franco Armani will be having his first home game since the World Cup. Not uh, only him, all of the World, World Cup champions. Quite, all of Rivers World Cup winners, including Passarin. Oh, I, I was wondering what you were talking about then, and then I realised past World Cup winners. Including Passarella. Yep. Like, oh, I'm going to be tuning in to watch how many gets received. That's going to be hilarious. Uh, watch it for that reason, if nothing else. They're playing Argentinos, and I think that it's going to be a draw. Racing versus Tigre is. Uh, ooh, that, that's it's going to be a good game. Um, hmm, I'll go for a draw in that one as well. Will Racing break the drought? Will they? Instituto versus Huracan. I've been got to go for an Huracan win, haven't you? Presumably they're going to score four goals and concede some. Barracas Central versus Union is a Barracas Central win, and Estudiantes versus Lanús is a win for the boys in Granate. Lanús. Lanús is going to win it. You know, obviously we've all avoided saying don't watch this match this weekend after what happened last time. Um, but there are several 
interesting looking ones though. Mm-hmm. I think. Absolutely. Um, Belis yeah. was one. Belis Independiente is, is one. Yeah, if I need to see what happens with Independiente, I think River Argentinos is one to see whether River, I mean, which River turn up is one. And, uh, but Argentinos, yeah, yeah looked all right. Racing versus Tigre is definitely one as well. That should the be. last league game between them and the thrill. Racing and Tigre. Yeah. Yeah, the Michelis has a stroke of bad luck yeah, because apart from that thing of the injury of uh, Mamana, who made, made him make, make a huge decision and quickly because it was one day after before the match. Now he decided for, for example, for Felipe Peña before the kid who is a decent centre midfielder to leave because he wouldn't have a lot of minutes there in the team, and he left to play for Arsenal. Yeah. After he did that, Bruno Socolini suffered from a serious injury, mm. and it was said uh, there was a. Uh, rumors that he will say, well, Felipe Peña will be afraid to come back, and no, he said, no, it's it, this is it. So now it's Zoperes as a number five, pure number five, and then he can uh, innovate with players that are not naturally of that position. Yeah. Uh, so, well, it's uh, as Matias Gremiter is still recovering from the injury he had. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel this pain. So, from having five perhaps midfielders, now you have two or one. Because uh, you, you made one of them to go on loan, the other one is injured. Uh, so, well, uh, it, as a result, it's Enzo Perez and I don't know if it's Perez gets injured or, or, or sent off. Yeah, it's yeah. screwed, on you. Anyway, thank you very much indeed for listening uh, for another week. Thank you and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And me. Thank you. Goodbye.